Or this is Tyler here from Coonut University. I'm going to introduce uh, Mr. Jason Snellgrove, who's going to tell you about his new podcast that we'll be releasing under Coonut University called The Coonhound Collective. And Jason, if you could, just give us a little background on yourself. Yeah, well, I am originally from southeast Alabama. I uh, coon hunted from the time I can remember my dad took me through the woods until roughly 2007. We moved from southeast Alabama to southwest Missouri. At that time, didn't know where we were going to move, so got rid of my hounds, got out of hound hunting. Wasn't really looking to get back into it. And then in about four or five years later, uh, the company I worked for moved me to southern Illinois. Uh, we were staying at a campground. A guy come in, brought his plot hounds in, and that kind of lit the fire back under me to get back into hunting and that's kind of been back in it ever since um when we bought the place we're at now we were able to buy a place here in southwest missouri that had a little bit of acreage out in the country where i can kind of let dogs kind of run free so when we got this place i had an old fair house up here my wife said you know this is a great opportunity for you to get really back into hounds like you had before you can build your kennels up there so that's what we did and that's kind of where we're at i've competition hunted a little bit but i mainly will hunt whether we're competition hunting or pleasure hunting i just enjoy being out in the woods with a dog yeah that's great and uh, you'll be releasing podcasts like i said under coonut university but i mean it's it's pretty much a separate podcast but you're going to be doing the same thing that coonut university is i mean it's not you know you're not going to be varying much um, so for people listening, if you like Coonut University, you're going to like the Coon Hound Collective. So, and, and for people that don't know, you know, right now we're probably going to do like, Jason's going to release two episodes a month. I'm going to release two episodes a month, at least for uh, the first couple of months. You know, I got to get caught up. I mean, this is, this is a lot of work and, and you're going to find that out the more you do it. And yeah. Jason's already had a couple of great interviews, really. Um, along with the one that you're going to listen to today about Lone Survivor. I've listened to it prior to this. I know I get special privileges i guess you'd say but uh and it was good it was good i i encourage i mean everybody's gonna love it i know they are but um what what really gave you the idea to kind of start this pod so i have a lawn care landscape business and i listen to podcasts while i'm out mowing grass taking care of landscape maintenance and a lot of them were, had to do with lawn care there was a couple coon hunting ones out there that i listened to too and i had the idea to do this and i was recording videos on my phone and i have a youtube channel called crane creek kennels uh that i actually started by just needing a place to put videos because my phone storage was getting full so i had the idea of starting the podcast then but they were so so many great ones out there i thought well i just wait but through youtube doing interviews with people and that's what i enjoy doing it seems like the audience only watches those videos for 10 to 15 minutes whereas with a podcast they will you know listen to an hour hour and a half two hour long podcast of someone talking or telling their story or background or history of coon hunting so that really what gave me the idea to start doing the podcast because i think it would fit the format that i enjoy doing better than doing the youtube videos that the interview and they're probably if you're listening to this and you follow along with crane creek kennels there probably will be some of this footage put over there when i go meet you know different people and they have pictures or videos that we can take of stuff but for the most part this is what i want to focus around is getting history because i think you've had the issue and we talked about this before i had the issue where i had an interview set up to do with an older gentleman mr lonnie mears and he ended up passing away before i could get it done so i want to try to capture as much of that as as we can and the idea behind the name of the coonhound collective is we all are after one thing to chase a dog through the woods at night 
chasing a coon. Whether you're pleasure hunting, competition hunting, you're the guy that hunts in the wintertime and don't hunt in the summer, don't matter. I want to reach every avenue, every aspect of the sport, including the pleasure hunter. I, you know, I, I want to talk to the guy that's went out there and maybe he goes down there where Michael Moody and wins the $100,000. That, that would be awesome to talk to, to have him either on the Coonhound Collective or the Coonhounding University podcast. But I also want to talk to that guy that just got some hounds tied up out there behind the barn that just enjoys going out listening to those hounds every night. Um, that, that that's really the the main driving force behind it yeah and i think it's gonna be great like i said it, it's as many people as we can get as many different avenues because i mean i can't do all of them i can't even do a quarter of them yeah. you know and the more knowledge and everything that we can get out there the better off we are as a sport um i think there's so many stories out there just like the the, the story that you're going to start hearing today about the lone survivor uh, dog, uh, Brett, Mr. Brett Stevens, he calls him loner. I, I think there's so many stories out there that is going to fall right in line with this story that hasn't been told or the people are getting older and they haven't had the opportunity to tell the stories. I think there's so many of them out there to capture. And I think that's what makes podcasting great is because you can sit down and you can capture those stories. Whereas when you watch it in a video, people tend to only sit down and watch 20 to 30 minute videos. You can take the, your phone, stick it in your pocket and walk around or earbuds in listening to different podcasts. Yeah, I mean, or driving in your car or whatever. You know, I think that uh, videos are great. And I think, I don't I don't really watch much YouTube uh, coon hunting. I watch some of them, not much. But yeah. I listen to all the coon hunting podcasts, you know. Absolutely. So I think I think it's uh, I think it's great, really do. I think that people are really going to like it. And I'm glad to have you as a part of the team, even though you're kind of your own. But we're all still a team, you know, we're not, you know, whatever. But, uh. And it's, it's good to have you on. I think that you're going to do some great things, and it's really going to take a lot of load off of me for sure. So <laughs> I like that part about it for sure. Hey, when you reached out to me, you know, uh, and we talked about this originally, you know, I was unsure of what direction to go with this. But, hey, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to release the podcast here. And, and likewise, I have a business. I know you, you work, you know, out of town a lot. So uh, I think it's going to help both of us out with being able to stay on top of episodes and keep something coming out that, people will enjoy every week yeah probably help my marriage out too <laughs> this is this is a lot of work man I, my, my wife when I, when I edited that this these episodes that you're going to hear coming out when i edited those my wife said it doesn't take you this long to do youtube videos what's what's going on and i said this is way different and, and it is i mean even though i've edited youtube videos there is a lot of work that goes into getting these to sound right getting all the mics to sound right the voices to sound right and then getting everything to flow like it should so yeah it's i think it'll help both of us out to take you know stress off of you of having to try to get so many out and then uh, you know with me just starting out it won't be so overwhelming well and i'll tell you i think another thing is once we get caught up and everything's backlogged is that the listeners will get more bonus episodes maybe too you know more more content will be put out there because i mean you know if jason's got four episodes recorded and i've got four for some reason you almost don't want to have to make those people wait that long for their interview to drop you know and that's kind of why i've i've been i've dropped bonus episodes before on coonut university was because i had so many you know i was in the zone i could record two or three a day and then i was yeah. editing editing with you being in southern mississippi 
me being in southern Missouri, I think it's going to give both of us an opportunity to maybe do more in-person interviews in different parts of the country. And I think that will bring a lot better quality to the listener as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's true. And you, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, I think that it gives us not more of an opportunity to go to bigger hunts yeah. and to do more in live stuff because, I mean, there's big hunts in Missouri. There's not that many big hunts in South Mississippi. There's the $100,000 hunt, but I'll be offshore for that. But And it, it frees us up a lot. And you're actually a dealer for one of the show sponsors, and I guess they kind of sponsor your show or you sponsor because, you know, you're one of the dealers. But uh, Extreme Dog Fuel, and they do an awesome job. They really do. Yeah. That That's, I mean, just a great dog food. I, I mean, I, I love it. Yeah. You know, a bunch of people have swapped to it since we started advertising for them. I mean, yeah. they really have. Well, and, and as you know, I, I just recently swapped to it, but before we hit record, cord here and we were talking i will say that i can already see a big difference in what i was feeding and the extreme dog fuel and if you want to see more about it you can head over to the youtube channel crane creek kennels i I have posted some small videos there there are going to be more videos to come on it Um, they do not sponsor the the youtube channel at all but um, i do appreciate them sponsoring this making this possible to happen and i really really have enjoyed uh feeding it the the last few weeks uh, i think the dogs are looking a lot better i'm feeding less feed i have less waste and my dogs really have slicked up look really nice yeah for sure it's great great feed so for everybody listening y'all stay tuned because mr jason Snellgrove and brett stevens about to put on a show y'all sit back and enjoy this is your host jason Snellgrove, and i will be your guide as we journey down the road to pleasure hunt or hitting the long trail to those great cop hunts. This is the Coon Hound Collective Podcast. Two months later, tragedy strikes. From tragedy to trial, this is the story of small town kennels and lone survivor. The audio you hear there on the first audio is Lori, Loner, and Star coming on the tree. The second audio you hear there is Loner by itself coming on the tree. Boy, them are some good sounding hounds. Stay tuned for the story. All right, welcome to the Coon Hound Collective Podcast today. Today I am in, I guess, southeast Christian County, Missouri, on the Christian County, Taney County line with uh mr brett stevens honored to have you here i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh do this with me if you don't mind go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and where you're from yeah i live um in a little town here called garrison i was born and raised here lived here my whole life pretty much we're right in the middle of the mark twain national forest there's about 30 of us here probably 
just a small little community. Yeah, I see whenever uh, I pulled up, they they wasn't a whole lot here. They, not a stop sign or a stoplight or, or anything. There's not a whole lot that goes on, no. No, it's pretty quiet here. I kind of like it like that. Yeah, yeah, that, that de- definitely makes it nice for sure. Okay, so uh, what do you do to uh, support your habit of hunting and, and your family? I work for a chemical manufacturing in Springfield, Missouri. I'm a salesman there. I kind of answer calls and inside sales, stuff like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. that sounds pretty cool. Car wash industry. Yeah. So have you uh, have you always been a, a hunter and have you always coon hunted? I've always been a hunter. I've always um, I like I've always liked hunting ever since I was a little boy. As far as coon hunting goes, I never started coon hunting until probably the late '80s. When I was younger, I really liked squirrel hunt. Fished, grew up here on Swan Creek and done a lot of fishing and stuff. Kind of burnt myself out on fishing. I don't do much fishing anymore. But yeah. deer hunted, turkey hunted, all that kind of stuff. Okay. <clears throat> What uh? What kind of dog did you get started with? I got started with, well, my cousin Russ was the kind of guy that got me into coon hunting, Russ Jones, and uh, he lives just down the road here. He would always come by and pick me up when I was a young boy. He'd stop in up at the house and where I, where I grew up, and he'd say, "Get in, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go turn some dogs loose, or I'm gonna go up here and road hunt these dogs." And I'd get in with him, and he was always a fun guy to be around and big cut up and. Mm-hmm. And uh, he could make starting old weed eater fun yeah. if he had trouble starting. <laughs> but he was he's the one that kind of got me into it. He had English dogs, and and um, he's just the one that kind of got me going. I, I I loved going with him to do anything. You know, it yeah. didn't matter what it was. You know, if you was going with him, it was he was going to have a good time. But yeah. I got attached to them English dogs that he had, and that's kind of how I got my start was just going along with him. Yeah. Of those English dogs, are those still the dogs you hunt today? Or if not, what made you go in a different direction? The dogs that he had when we was first hunting um, was some junior bred dogs. Um, I don't remember what all they go back to. I remember some of the names that he had, you know, them dogs. But he ended up getting um, the back row Rosie female. And that's what a lot of these dogs here go back to. They're Briar Creek, Swamp Rooster Crosses. Okay. okay. Is what they are, yeah. Okay. And so the dogs you, you hunt now are those Briar Creek and... Swamp Rooster, Swamp yeah. Swamp Rooster yeah. Crosses? Yeah. Okay. Mostly, yeah. Okay. So uh, out of all the dogs that you've had through the years, and tell us a little bit about all of them if, if you uh, want to, what, what's been your favorite hound and why? Um, oh, my. <clears throat> my favorite? That belonged to me or... Well, I mean, yeah, but if you have something else you want to add in there, go ahead. Well, um, the first dog the first dog that I got was a, a puppy that I got from one of my best friends, Curtis Darty, which I won't refer to him as Curtis. Everybody around here knows him as Chops. That's his nickname. So if I say Chops, I'm talking about Curtis Darty. But okay. um, you asked me favorite. Maybe a tough That'd question. That'd be a tough choice. I, I I would have a hard time picking a favorite of my own because I've had times where I've been so mad, <laughs> so mad at all of them equally. I've been just as happy with all of them equally, yeah. but I really don't. Honestly, I don't have a favorite. They've all got different qualities and had different qualities that that I like. You know, different things, different traits. Yeah, that made me like them. Some dogs were just more personable. Some dogs didn't care. You know, that I had didn't care whether. You, you petted him or not i had a that first dog that i got from chops that her name was grace and um she didn't care whether you petted her or, mm-hmm. or not you know she just was had a different character yeah than some of the others so i don't i don't really have a, a favorite i really owner. don't yeah i mean i my loner male is probably my favorite because he's me and him kind of 
maybe have a little bit better bond, a little stronger bond than I've had with most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still pretty young, and um, I've had some decent success with him while he was while he's still at the young stage. So he possibly is probably my. I would have to probably pick him. Maybe I don't yeah. know. It's it. <laughs> well, here in a minute, we're gonna definitely get to talk about Loner for sure, especially with the story behind him and all. But uh, coming up to him, say prior to him, what got you from start to to Loner? What what dogs did you have? What were they out of? And what did you like about them? Yeah, the Grace female I got from from like I say from my buddy Chops, and um, he'd raised a he had bred one of his females to um herds barber creek ace and he had this litter of pups and he said you gotta get one of these pups i said yeah i said i I want one of them and he had a little dark cherry red tick female and i said what i owe you for this thing and or you know what are you gonna want for it he said oh i don't i don't know he said we'll figure something out Mm -hmm. and there ended up being a lawnmower traded in the deal for the dog (laughs) is what went down yeah. So I got this dog for a traded lawnmower, and uh, he was happy and I was happy, but that's kind of a funny story. Yeah. But um, but Grace was out of Barber Creek Ace, which he placed 17th uh, in 04 in the World Hunt and was the world champion English female that year, or English male that year. Yeah. But Grace was probably the first hound that I got that kind of set me on fire and she just had a big heart, a lot of hunt, huge yeah. mouth. Started early, um, which typically these dogs aren't known to really start real early anyway. Yeah. So I don't get too excited if they don't if they don't start early. But yeah. So um, all right. So so Grace got you started. You uh, started competition hunting her. <clears throat> I did. Um, she kind of took off on her own, really, and I just put her in the woods. And you know they've all got holes, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty bad. To, I'm pretty bad to pick them apart, and and if there's not any big holes, I always find a little hole. Seems mm-hmm. like, but um, I think we're always critical of our own dogs oh, more yeah. than somebody else. <laughs> that is that is true. That is true. But she would tree a possum every once in a while, and she just yeah, she was just a she was going to get treed, and and um, she's kind of like the dog you talked about earlier, you know, but. Yeah. She um she had a big heart. She was she was really gritty and um I regretfully sold her. Um she went to New York. I can't remember really if I'd made her yeah, I made her a night champion mm-hmm. before I sold her. Everybody was kinda I don't know what really happened in everybody's lives here, but our coon cub was kinda dwindling down and a lot of people wasn't hunting and gas got real high and Everybody was kind of having a little bit of financial trouble. Times yeah. was kind of hard for a lot of us that, around at that time. And we we kind of slacked off and had opportunity to sell a dog. And then, you know, a buddy sells a dog. Well, he ain't got a hunting buddy and a partner no more to go hunting with. And maybe I ought to sell my dog, too. He got a decent price for it or whatever. And so I ended up selling her. And um, he went on to, she went on to win the New York State. Mm-hmm. Uh, title with her and i think he won like eight or nine thousand dollars pkc money on her and all that and you know i kind of regretted selling her she um i really didn't know at the time what i had yeah yeah i've been there done that yeah so but she was i've kind of measured all of my dogs she's kind of set the standard for heart you know yeah and desire she just you couldn't hunt her down and she just she was just a really gritty Gritty dog. Well, I, I know we talked about this before. I miss her. Before we turned on the uh, recorder, but 
to not be able to hunt one down in, in these hills is saying something because it's uh it's rough walking in some places it's, here it's different hunting here yeah it's it really is it's it's hard hunting here and you can get in some bad areas and mm. i mean it's not mountainous or you know and there's there's harder hunting other places i've been to some places that was just as rough mm-hmm. but most of the time you're going to be in places where it's i feel like i'm hunting on somebody's golf course or something most right. of the time when i'm somewhere else you know right. but you can get down on the arkansas line and stuff down there and it's there's some rough hunting down there too yeah. Yeah, i mean sure. it, there really is and then then you can get into some good bottom ground down there too and it's like yeah. two totally different worlds here i can't believe this is all in the same state all in but, the same place yeah. yeah for sure okay so that was that was grace what was uh what was the the next dog after grace you sold her and we I sold did you have her, a dog at all when you sold her or? i sold her and i ended up maybe with a puppy or two that never panned out and kind of took a everybody kind of seemed like took a break myself included everybody kind of quit hunting and mm-hmm. other things was more important you know trying to keep your head above water financially not right have a dog and stuff like that was kind of but I, I don't know how long the period was that i i don't really know how many years there was mm-hmm. i try to forget about that that was yeah. a bad time in my life not having a coon hound you know yeah I, hey i understand i went through the same thing <laughs> you know i moved from alabama to missouri into apartment so i had to get rid of all my hounds so yeah i, I completely relate with that but i ended up getting um lori would be the lonesome dove lori female would been the next one that i mm-hmm and it, I, I'm assuming she she held the bar to to Grace or they were two totally different different type of dogs, um, hunting wise. You know, they um, Grace would you know she'd cover a dog with a coon and she'd split tree and hold and and all that. But Lori's she's a little different mm-hmm. type of dog. She's a pretty much a dead loner. You very rarely would have her with another dog mm-hmm. uh, or find her with another dog treed. You got her from a pup? So how Lori came about was was uh, Chops, which has been a big influence on some of the dogs I've had, mm-hmm. obviously, and you're going to hear me mention him quite a bit, and he's getting mentioned again on this dog here. So <clears throat> he's made some good crosses, and he raised her um, from another female that he had, and a distant relative of mine, Mike Mitchell, actually bought uh lori was as a puppy an eight-week-old puppy uh from chops and um i got her from mike i knew that mike that had her and they said that she's you know i'd heard about about her and that she'd turned tricolor and she had a big mouth and and i don't know if he lightly started her you know Mm -hmm. and wasn't hunting a whole whole lot and i thought i'm gonna go up there and look at her and talk to him and i thought i would try to see if he'd want to sell her and I was going to try to buy her and this and that because and, I'd heard a few things about her. So um, he didn't want to sell her, and um, I told him, I said, well, why don't you let me take her on, you know, why don't we partner on her and let me hunt her for you, you know. And, and so I got her, and I started hunting her by herself, and she was, when you cut her, she went hunting. Mm-hmm. And um, you didn't have to whip her or make her go hunting or holler at her or anything. When you cut her, she, she went hunting. And so <clears throat> I started hunting her, and she's started treeing coons and and doing good and she had a big mouth and had a lot of desire and a good prey drive and stay staying treed of course i wasn't hunting her a lot with other dogs either so i don't know how much pressure she could hold at the time but but anyways she um she was just consistently getting under coons and i thought boy she's you know i've got something here you Mm -hmm. know this she's pretty nice and i really liked her and we kind of become buddies and 
and um, I tried to buy. I said, "Won't you just sell me your half?" You know, no, I don't want to sell your my half and this and that. So it was a good deal for him. I was hunting her, and mm-hmm. but anyways, I later on um, ended up buying him out and got all over to myself, and that's kind of the beginning of her. Okay, early on, yeah. On Lori there, did you, after you got her bought out, did you start competition hunting her or was she just a pleasure hunter? No, I'd been, I'd been, oh no, I had, I'd been hunting her quite a bit and put her in hunts and made her night champion and all that. We were still partners on her at the time. Okay. And uh, I don't even really remember what year it was I bought her, bought her from him outright, but I was partners with him on her. She stayed at my house hmm. all the time, you know, and uh, so he was kind of paper partner with her most of the Right. Most of her life, you know, that we was partners on her. But So from, from Lori, was there anything that really set her apart from other dogs that you that you either had or even have now that you really liked, that you was wanting more traits from her to, to reproduce? She had, yeah, Lori was, she's always been really special. You know, you asked me earlier what was my favorite. <laughs> and I get to talking about her and thinking about her and, you know, you get to reminiscing on some old hunts and mm-hmm. the past and stuff. And she's getting older, you know, now. Right. And it seems like every time I go out there, you know, I think it just seems like it was just yesterday. She was two or three years old and I was out here going out here putting a snap on her mm-hmm. and taking her to the hunts. And so I kind of, I miss, I miss taking her, you yeah. know. Um, a lot of these dogs that went back to Rosie that that Russ had bred different, you know, he never bred the same stud dog twice uh, mm-hmm. to Rosie, and she reproduced on about everything he bred her to. But they were really independent, huge mouths. They were hard going, stay mm-hmm. put tree dogs. You know, they just they didn't come back. They just when you cut them loose, they didn't they didn't have no reverse. And I wasn't necessarily at the time sold on the dead loner thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd never really had that type of dog. You know, prior to that. Right. And, uh, but when I got to hunting her and putting her in some hunts, I was, seemed like I was always taking a third, second or third strike and she was off by herself and I'd go in there and find a coon and, and, um, I got, I thought this is pretty nice, you know, I like, I like this and, and she was, she was pretty good at it. And, um, when you cut four dogs, you know, she was the type of dog that would always kind of, she was a hard going dog, but she was. She would, it was almost like she was just too smart. You know, she'd just let them dogs blow out and she'd kind of prance off. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you know, I'd see her stop, look back my way and then dart off in the brush, you know. And she was a, funny thing about her was she was a left-handed hunting type dog. So I knew most of the time she was going to go left-handed. Yeah. So I could cut her a different, you know, point her a certain way. And if I wanted her to go north, you know, you yeah, kind of might want to send her east if you wanted to go north because I, she's going to go left-handed. But. Yeah, I, I talk to people all you know all the time, and and people that don't coon hunt, they they don't understand the relationship you build with a hound in the woods to the point of, just like you said, you knew when you cut her loose, she's usually going to go left-handed, and and it just when you tell people that type of thing, it just blows their mind that well, how do you know that dog's going to go left-handed? Well, I've been out here with them for. Five thousand nights or whatever, yeah. Know, hunting them, so she actually had a, also one thing that was kind of unique about her was her locate. She she would um, I, I drew a, a guy a time or two back years ago and would try to pitch a dog on you. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> she was pretty good about getting a guy that knew what kind of dog he had. And if she was off over here and he thought his dog was going over there, she she had a, she had the right locate, which a lot of them do. But she had the right locate, and she had the locates like you better not trigger on this one, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the locate that sounded the best was just one big long dying ball that was just you'd go, wow, boy, she's got a beautiful locate and all that. You better not trigger on that one big yeah. old dying long ball. 
because yeah. she may not stay there. Yeah. And I've I've had guys that would would treat a dog right, you know, and, oh, would, yeah. and it and that I've had that happen before, and and her move on and made it kind of comical yeah. sometimes actually. <laughs> yeah. well, I got one at the house that he's got a beautiful locate, but. You better not hope you don't hear that one in the woods because it ain't a coon. <laughs> better not hook him on that one. Yeah, no, no. Okay, so uh, uh, you still got Lori today. And how old is she today? Twelve model. Okay, and you've had some puppies out of her. She can't have puppies anymore. So she had. I've had a, a few big litters out of her, and uh-huh. then she, and then then I got, and then I had like her third or maybe her third or fourth litter. I started having trouble. She was having pups, was getting hung and stuff like that. Okay. And she was just having trouble having pups. From Lori, where where do we go from there? I hunted her and finished her out, I guess, in UKC? Yeah, I made her yeah, I made her a grand night pretty quick. And then I got her qualified um three times for the world hunt. Okay. I've had her for a long time, so I got a lot of history with her. Yeah. Uh and a lot of stories, but you may not want to hear all yeah, of them, but, but she, uh, I qualified her three times and I didn't advance to the top 100. So I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. You know, I had some bad breaks at the zones and this and that. And, uh, and in 2018, um, we made it through the top 100 and, um, that was a big, big deal for me. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. And, um, but then once you do, you, I don't know, I just, I, I thought, you know, if I, I thought I had a good chance of of doing it and pulling it off and you know you get sometimes you'll get close and fall apart things won't happen you know you don't catch a break or right. whatever it might be and uh, and things just worked out where she made it and it's like wow i've i've always wanted to do this you know mm-hmm. this has always kind of been a dream to make the top 100 you've heard of other people doing it or you know whatever so you i would i thought well i made it the top 100 now i need to focus on I just need to go up there, and I just need to win my cast. Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to make this top 25 or 24 is actually really what it was that year. But we had some health struggles prior to the world hunt. At the zones, uh, the day prior to leaving for the zones, uh, I went out there to get her, and she was carrying a leg. Oh, my goodness. And um, she, I, I just debated. I was like, oh, I am not going to be able to get to go to the zones, you know, and not going to be able to get to hunt here. And um, she limping around a little bit, so I soaked her feet. I soaked her foot in some Epsom salt. I thought, I'm just going to load her up and take her. It it was in, I think it was in Vanita then, if I remember right. I thought, well, if I get over there and unload her, you know, if she ain't any better, I just won't hunt. But I've got to go, you know, I've got to make the trip. Mm -hmm. And I unloaded her, and she acted like that she didn't even have a bad foot on her no more so mm-hmm. <laughs> i was pretty excited so we made it through the zones and um next was the world hunt and it was in uh, mount gilead ohio and it was going to be a pretty long drive for me and lori don't haul very good so i thought you know i'm gonna forget what day it was i'm gonna leave on tuesday whatever i'm gonna get up there for sure to try to get up there a full day in advance right. and uh but while i was at the zones um her eyes had swollen shut she got some soybean Oh and my she, goodness. yeah, she was in, she was in a mess, and uh, she didn't feel good. And I mean, you could tell that she just really didn't feel good. Yeah. And her eyes was basically swollen shut, both of them. I thought this is a bad time for you to have your eyes swollen shut. I'm fixing to go to the world hunt. <laughs> you don't even know what you've done. You know, you yeah. don't even know what you've accomplished. And I'm so excited, you know. And anyways, my wife made a few phone calls, and actually, she'd called Russ. He's kind of we always kind of like to call him our hometown vet uh-huh. you know that just isn't on paper he's a vet but he's right 
he he always I tell a funny one. He he always I always ask him, "How do you learn? How did you learn all this? Or how did you know that? Or whatever?" And he said, "Well, if you've had as much stuff die as I have," he said, <laughs> "over the years, he said you just learn. Yeah, you just learn." But anyways, he said, "I know what she needs, but I probably don't have any. I don't have any of it, and you may not either." And anyways, I'd cleaned her eyes out and all kinds of stuff, but all kinds of different things in it, and uh, trying to get her to feel better and and. Uh, we got some prednisone, and that helped a lot, and uh, got the swelling down. So I was packed and ready to go up there, you know, yeah. and go out there, and you have a dog with their eyes swelled shut, and she just don't act like it. And it's like, golly, what is going on? You know, this getting the got the wind jerked out of my cell there. But I went out there the next morning, and I thought, you know, if she's better, obviously I'm going to load and go here, but I'm not going to be able to get out there as quick as I as early as I was wanting to for her to get settled in. And my wife's, she's pretty encouraging, and um, she said, oh, everything's going to be all right, and we just need to pray about this too. And so we had prayed about Lori healing up, and I went out there the next morning, and she had one eye completely open, and she was a blink on the other one. And I thought, well, this is good enough. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. We're going to... We're going to Ohio. Yeah. And I got all excited, and so we headed Ohio. So you didn't get to get out there, though, the day ahead of time? I did not. Did that affect her performance, you think, out there? It, it, well, no, it actually didn't. It was, you know, when things are meant to be, it's just meant, right. you know, when things are meant to be, it just, it happens. And I guess it was just meant to be. But when I got out there, she acted pretty good, actually. I'd give her another round of prednisone, which I'm sure that probably helped her a lot, make her feel better. But but she, it really didn't affect her when we got up there. there. Every dog up here is ready. These handlers are ready. I wasn't mentally. I just didn't have. I was just like, man, we don't. We ain't. We're not ready. Right. You know. Right. And I've come all the way up here, and she's just not 100%. She, that's what it was. She just wasn't 100%. Right. I knew she wasn't 100%. And uh, but she proved me wrong. I mean, she. We made it through round one. I drew three really good dogs. I uh, drew one one dog that a lot of people, I think, had picked to make the top 20 and maybe even the final four. The thing about going from here to parts of the country like that up there, I mean, that's you're going to hunt soybean or corn, mostly corn. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't have a sprig of corn down here unless you throw it out of the sack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, she's not used to hunting cornfields and she never was very good at hunting cornfields either and she did not know how to hunt them back to like what i said earlier about it being meant to be it was just meant to be for her to to win i mean she she acted like i had hunted her in them cornfields her whole life wow and uh she really done good and we ended up winning that cast actually a gentleman on that cast found my coon on the last tree she was off by herself it was it was a really a good feeling. Yeah, oh, I bet. And then we had to come back, and they don't do that now, make you hunt tree your own coon by yourself. But uh, we had to go back out, tree a coon by herself, and she she done that. And then it was on to the next day, you know. Yeah. I guess it was just meant to be for me to advance that far. Her wheels fell, <laughs> fell off of her the next day. Oh, okay. She went back to, um, I'll tell you what, she, she was always, she would miss, she wasn't, a really super super what i would call a super accurate dog you know she would miss every now and again but i can tell you this from the first when i got her qualified at the rqe from the rqe to hunting in between mm-hmm. to the zones and then to the world that round three on that first tree that she made on round three it wasn't good <laughs> it was a it was a dead snag that had virginia creeper growing around it 
and it was as slick as a telephone pole and that was it was it was awful you know it was embarrassing too and because yeah. <laughs> you make it to round three and it's like you get struck in you get treated off over here by yourself actually she had a dog cover her on that recut off of that and she went and got in a i don't know how many hundreds of acre cornfield and i'm and stayed in it literally mm. stayed in that cornfield and i'm walking around with these guys scoring coons and it's like this ain't even the same as as the day before <laughs> yeah what's yeah. going on you know this yeah. is this the same dog and i was aggravated you know that whole time walking around oh, and yeah. shining and finding these guys coons and knowing that she's capable of you know there's coons here and she ain't getting under them and she's got over here and got in this cornfield and she just got in that cornfield and it just fell apart yeah. and uh and we got beat and but as i was walking around i was thinking the whole time i thought you know i just need to be thankful that I made it this far. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys that didn't make it this far. That's true. And um, I just kind of had to change my mindset. But I'll tell you what, I had losing makes me want want it even more. Yeah, it, yeah. And um, and I thought I'm coming back. I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna do. I'm I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna try to go farther than this. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes you want to go back even more. Yeah, yeah. I, Nobody I, likes to lose, but yeah, well, it does something to different you know it does something to yeah. some people yeah well i'm very i'm very competitive myself and it's definitely frustrating when you're out there and you're not winning um it's one thing not to win you know if your dog ain't performing it's another thing when it's neck and neck and you, you just get beat i mean it, it is what it is when you get beat but when the dog you know can go out there and perform and do better and and and, and she don't go out there and perform or he don't go out there and perform it's uh it definitely makes it tough for sure. It does. Because uh, you know they're a much better dog than that. Okay, so Lori there, what she what's, how was her pups? What was she got on the ground? What happened was, was she had, uh, I had two litters. I think she had 11 in the first litter, 12 in the second litter, bred her to the John the Baptist dog. A few dogs out of that that, you know, they probably treed some coons, but they wasn't nothing spectacular. And then... Mm-hmm. Predator the Super Scoop dog after that. I think there was 11 or I can't remember exactly. It's been quite a while back. Right. There's a few dogs out of that that panned out. Nothing nothing exceptional, you know. Yeah. That, you know, unless I don't know if they didn't get a chance or you right. know what. But y- you asked earlier about, you know, she can't have pups anymore because I had some trouble with um I bred her to um, Russ and Colton owns the little bighorn dog. I bred her to him and um, she had... There was six of them, if I remember right. But I think I had she. I had to go get a C-section. Okay. Two, one of them was hung, and then another one behind that was dead. And we ended up, they ended up saving four mm-hmm. and cut four. And I actually got one of them females right now. And then I sold the Colton got one of them, and then I sold the other two. Mm-hmm. Was you hunting another dog at the same time, or did was you did you have another dog you was working on while, while yeah working after Lori with, yeah. Yeah, this would this would have to be my star female. Mm-hmm. So Freddie Wells in Oklahoma, um, I was talking dogs with him. I don't remember why I'd called him or what what the deal was, and he had mentioned to me that he said, "Hey, I'm gonna be using some uh, Wilcox Thunder Bingo semen uh, on one of my females, his dual grand tree rocking Nelly female." 
And uh, I'm sitting there when he said that. I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't even know he had any semen out of bingo. And, mm. you know, and I said, really? Yeah, really? And he said, yeah. I said, well, what's the chances of me getting one of them? And I figured he probably already had, you know, had told a few people and had the litter spoken for and, and all that. So I, he said, I, you know, I asked him, said, what's the chance of getting one? He said, oh, he said, it, there's a good chance. And uh, he said, I, not very many people know I'm going to make this cross. And I said, how much you want for them? And what are you going to ask for them? He told me. I said, I'm mailing you a check tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, I was excited. I mean, I didn't think I'd have a chance to get one of them pups. And uh, so I wasn't going to mess around. I told my wife, I said, I'm mailing him. I'm mailing him for that dog, yeah. for that pup. I wasn't messing around. So I jumped yeah. on that pretty quick. Yeah. Sometimes you have to make a move. <laughs> yeah. So I was pretty excited. So that out of that cross come your star female? That you have, it is. Yeah, she was out of. She's out of uh, Wilcox Thunder Bingo and the Tree Rock and Nelly female that Freddie had. That's okay. what he used that semen on. So she had. Um, I think there were six of them. Mm-hmm. I actually, them things were about two weeks old. I had. Uh, I was going to see the zone quarterfinals was in. Uh, I believe it was in Oklahoma, and so I thought I'm going to drive through there and I'm going to go by and see this litter. Mm-hmm. I was dying to get my hands on them things, and I went by there and looked at them. They was two or three weeks old, and. I didn't have first pick. I think I had third or fourth pick or something. And uh, looked at several of them. I thought, this one here is the one I like the best, you know, but I'm sure somebody will pick it, you know. Right. And there was only one male in that litter. There was five females and one male. That's what there was, was six total. And uh, so anyways, when it come time to uh, pick her up, um, I drove out there, and a couple of the guys had come and picked theirs, and Freddie kept the lone male in that litter. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw this little female, and I thought, that's the one I want. So I I called to her and kind of eased my way over to her. He had a big area to turn him loose and let him run loose. And um, she didn't want, not want nothing to do with me. I would kind of ease toward her, and she'd run away. Mm-hmm. And I'd kind of go to try. I was wanting to get my hands on her. I was wanting to pick her up, you know. I just There was just something about her I liked. I liked the way she was acting. She kind of stayed away from them other pups, and, and I liked her looks. And I don't know. She just... I don't, she was just the one, and uh, I could not get my hands on her. Funny story here. She had he had a car sitting over there, an old car. She ran under that car on me, mm-hmm. and hid. And I thought, what am I doing chasing down this? <laughs> I was what I was doing was I was picturing myself in the middle of the night somewhere over here in the middle of nowhere, right? Trying to catch her at seven or eight months old running under a vehicle. Yeah. Now, if you've coon in long enough, you ever had a. A hound run under a vehicle on you and hide from you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Aggravating. But yeah. anyways, she ran into that car, and so I had to dig her out. And I drug her out. I got her coaxed over there close enough to me. I drug her out from under that car. And, and I actually called her us, and I said, what do you think I ought to do? <laughs> I said, am I messing up? I've had to run this pup down. He said, I know how you are. I said, if you put her down and you get a different one, he said, you're going to you're gonna bring that up and you're going to gripe about that forever. You know, just get her and get out of there. Mm-hmm. And she'll warm up to you, you know. And I thought, yeah, he's right. She'll warm up to me. And I, I just had my heart set on her. So anyway, so I always like to try to think of a name, name my pup before I ever get it or before they're born. Or, you know, like if I got a litter coming up, I'm like, I want a good name. You know, I like, I, want, I like unique names. And I was wanting to think of a good name for her. And I couldn't come up with no name. And so I got her and I'm going down the road and I... Called my wife. I said, I've got her in the back. And I went ahead and she goes, well, did you get the one that was running? For-? I said, yeah, I got her. I've got her. I said, she don't want nothing to do with me. And, you know, we laughed. 
<laughs> we laughed about it, and uh, we're going down the road. I'm going down the road, and I've I've got her in the back, and it's storming and raining. Real, it's just a bad storm. And and I asked my wife. I said, if you think of something, you know, to name her, you know, I want Bingo in the name, and I just don't know what to call her. Small town, you know, I want to call her Small Town something Bingo. Mm-hmm. And so she'd call me back, and she goes, I've got it. I've got the perfect name. I said, what's that? And she goes, call her Star. Mm. She goes, that's the free space on a bingo card that allows you to win. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, you're genius. Yeah. Well, <laughs> m- most of, I know my wife's way smarter than I am, Yeah, so. yeah. Well, mine for sure is, yeah. And if you ask anybody around that knows me or her, they'll tell you the same thing that yeah. she is. So, so yeah, I said, I'll, I said, all right, well, I'll think about that. And I'm, I'm driving down the road. And I'm, I'm not making, this is, I'm driving down the road and I get behind a tanker on I-44 and uh, on the other side between here and Tulsa I don't even realize that I'm behind it and what I'm looking at for the longest time I'm just I don't know what if I'm thinking about what I'm gonna name this pup or I'm stressed out about this driving around all these semis and it's I'm in our car and uh and there's this tanker behind us and it says star petroleum on the back of it okay yeah and I was like, this is a sign. Yeah. I'm going to name her Star. Yeah. What's the chances of me pulling up behind this? And I'd been following this tanker for a little while, you know. So that's that's how I came up with her name. Okay. So. So where where where'd you go from there with, with hers? So I got a phone call. Um, she was about four to five months old. Um, and I got a phone call from Freddie. And he said, how's Star doing is she healthy i said yeah yeah he said well she eating good and i was like yeah yeah she's eating good drinking good yeah yeah i said what's going on why what's what's up he said well he said there's one of the pups in that litter's died and another one's really really sick and these dogs kind of was strung out across different parts of the country and he goes nobody knows what's really going on but these things are dying and not eating and not drinking and and they're kind of dying and and he said actually he kept a male and a female and he's i think it was the female maybe that He'd have to maybe correct us on this, but I think the female got sick first. And he said, my female's sick. I got her at the vet right now. Hmm. And I'm like, wow, this is bizarre, you know. So anyways, he, uh, I said, well, he said, keep an eye on her. And I said, okay, I will. She's she's doing good, though, you know. Get another call from him, and he'd said his female died and the male dog's sick. Hmm. Got him at the vet. House star. Is she good? You ain't? No, yeah. I said, she's good. Everything's fine. So anyways... Long story short, she he lost his male dog, too, and Larry Wilcox actually got one of the pups out of that litter as well, and his had got really bad sick, and, and it died. So that left two, my female, and um, another female in that litter was alive still at the time, and everything was was fine, um, and she, I mean, she just never, she never, nothing ever changed. I mean, she never got sick, and so four of them died, but Freddie had ended up, that's what I was going to say, Freddie ended up getting a um, autopsy done on his mail and they said that they had contracted this i think they call it histoplasmosis hmm. which is a fungal infection okay which i think comes from like wild bird droppings in their water or their food and for okay. whatever reason star and this other female obviously didn't get into this yeah so it was kind of a miracle but well I've, i look at it that way anyways yeah. you know four of the six pretty tragic especially with a cross like that yeah you know how to bingo was it was pretty tragic, and I, I know that it was pretty tragic for uh, for Freddie for sure. He made the cross, and he kept two, and you know he didn't even get anything out of it. Yeah, yeah. So, sure. uh, but yeah, she started showing interest in a coon at about five or some months old or so. And I typically don't start. I don't take. You know, I don't get too excited about five and six month old pups. And a lot of people like them pups to start at four and five months old. And I've just not been used to 
dogs starting that early, right. you know, and then just taking off with them and, you know, having a grand night at 12 months old. Right. And I've never had a grand night at 12 months old. I don't care if, I don't care to have a grand night at 12 months old. Right. I don't care about that. That don't mean nothing to me. But, um, but I thought, well, I'm going to let her tag along and take her with Lori and, uh, actually, um, my my brother Mike uh, Massey he said let's go it was on Christmas night and he goes let's go coon hunting and let's take our wives and which they usually don't ever go with us you know and I said he said have you ever coon hunted on Christmas I said, no he goes let's just go coon hunting on Christmas night we ain't got nothing going on I said just to say we did I said yeah. all right well let's go and so I I was gonna take Star and my wife said are you not gonna so I, yeah I was I did take her and I said my wife said are you gonna put a tracking collar on her? I said that dog don't need no tracking collar on her she ain't gonna she probably won't even go nowhere mm-hmm. you know she'll probably just walk around with us and that's fine and so she said i think you ought to put a tracking collar on her and of course she's right again on that <laughs> so i'm glad i did i said all right i'll put a tracking collar on her if it makes you happy so i put a tracking collar on her and anyways I, we sent them off into this big down this big holler this old road bed and it runs off into a bunch of big mature timber and um you know like a lot of times when you cut a pup with an older dog or something you don't expect that thing just to disappear in the dark out of your light not see him again and i just thought well she'll run down there 50 yards or whatever and then turn around come back she'll be with us till lori gets treed never saw her got my garment out and looked and lori had struck a coon and was running it up the holler and i looked on there and she was you know 300 350 400 and lori was there she was right with her stayed with her the whole time and that may not be a big deal to a lot of people a lot of people may have dogs do that all the time you know but right but I don't. I just don't expect it. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean you know no big deal if it don't happen. Um, but she, from that day on, from every time I ever took her and cut her, that dog never comes back. Wow. From that day on, I, I never cut that dog one time after that, and her run a hundred yards out of our light and then come back to me and just mill around with us. You know, she just she was gone, and you know. She was at the tree. We'd Lori had treated den tree. Star was there. She wasn't. She was milling around the tree. She wasn't barking tree or nothing. But she was there when we got there. She followed her the whole way. Yeah. So I started her with, with Lori, and uh, was hunting. Started hunting with her off and on just a little bit. It was. Um, oh, I think it was maybe that spring. She blew up and located off over here a little bit away from Lori and fell tree. And I thought, oh my gosh, she split tree by herself over there. And you know, that's a moment that we all wait, yeah, for sure. wait on happening when that happens. And cause she was running treeing with Lori and stuff mm-hmm. and, um, knock some coons out to her and, and stuff or, you know, prior to that, but she got split treed and I about rolled my ankle running to her. I was, I was trying to get to her as quick as I could. Yeah. I was wanting to get to her, you know, and she had a coon and Lori had a coon. And um, from then on, I thought, well, I'm going to just start hunting her by herself. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had hunted her a little bit by herself prior to that. Uh, she wasn't doing anything consistent, you know, by herself. But from then on, I was like, all right, I'm going to, she's splitting like this and holding pressure from this far apart, you know. Yeah. Which they was pretty close, not far, but so I just started hunting her by herself. And yeah. she just, she just took off. Yeah. So. Yes. That's pretty good. And you, uh, you've competition hunted her. Yeah. So I, I started putting her in a few hunts, and um, actually, I don't think I put her in any hunts prior. No, I, I don't think I'd put her in any hunts yet. So you, this, this dog, you said you sold her. So yeah. So what I done was, was I was excited, you know, and um, a lot of guys would put videos of their dogs treeing on 
Facebook and right, stuff like that. Right. So I started posting a few videos every treat and, and making some posts and stuff. And I wasn't trying to sell her. I was just excited. My dog was doing something good. And, I, you know, she was special to me. And I was just sharing her with everybody mm-hmm. and um, posting her on there a little bit. And that was probably my biggest mistake. I probably, should, I probably shouldn't do that or shouldn't have done it. But so I got this phone call. Brad McDaniel uh, from Georgia had contacted me and he said, hey, I've been seeing some of your videos and tell me a little bit about your star female. And I was like, well, what do you want to know? And and I said, then I was like, well, why are you wanting to know this anyways? You know? <laughs> he said, well, I ain't going to lie. I'm going to beat around the bush. I'm interested in buying her. I said, oh, she's not for sale. I'm not trying to, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to sell her. Mm-hmm. He goes, well, tell me a little bit about her. And, and I said, well, Brad, she's just young. I said, she's just now starting, you know, she ain't finished. She's just a, uh, started dog and mm-hmm. you know I like what i'm seeing i'm just I'm just hunting her i'm just in the process of making trying to make a dog out of her and right. um he said well i want to buy her i said well she's not for sale and he said well everything can be bought and i said well that's true everything can be bought but you know i'm not i really am not trying to sell her i i said you saw that big brand on her hip that s on her hip and he said yeah i saw that and i said that means that she's staying here she's staying here at my kennel and that s is for star and Mm-hmm. small town and then my last name is Stevens so that's right. why I got the S but I said she's she's staying here she's gonna die here and we talked a little bit and he said well I'll I'll call you back in a few days I said that's fine you can call me back we'll talk dogs I said but I'm not you know she's not for sale and then the next thing I get a text and then he calls and then it's a text and then a call and then a text and one thing after another and, and he wanted me to price her and I said I'm not she's not for sale I'm not pricing her she's not for sale and he made me an offer and I said no I'm not you know I appreciate you wanting to buy her and all you know I said I appreciate your interest in her but I'm just I don't want to sell her and so Another phone call, another text, and asking more questions and wanting more videos. And I was honest with him. You know, I told him, I said, this is what she'll do. This is what she won't do. This is what I like about her. This is what I don't like about her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not trying to sell her. You know, I'm just answering these questions. And, and he finally, each time his offer just kept getting higher and higher. And I thought, this guy's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and Brad's listening. I love you, Brad. But uh but i thought this guy's crazy you know and and i told my wife and she said look she goes you do whatever you want to do these dogs are yours and this is your passion this is your thing and you do whatever you want to do and uh so he finally broke me down and i said look i said i'd have to have a pup off of her he goes that's fine that's fine what do you and you know he had bought the crow dog off of seth ish and i said are you gonna breed her to crow i want to know what i'm gonna get a pup out of he said are you gonna breed her to crow and he said yeah i want to breed her to crow and so we made a deal and uh, I had her. In, I actually had her entered up for Autumn Oaks. Okay. I delivered her up there. Brad's a good guy. He really is. And he said, "Look, I want to pay for your trip." And I said, "Nah, you can pay for my trip." He goes, "Yeah, if you're going to bring her up there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay for your trip." And and so he gave me some extra, and he didn't have to do that, but but he did. And I sold her um, for a very large amount of money, and I'd never done that before. Yeah. Besides selling Grace, and which I regretted. Ironically, Grace and Star almost were an identical. They looked like litter mate sisters. Yeah. Which was kind of kind of neat. And so I thought, you know, I'll never get rid of Star. You know, she's making a dog for me, and and she's bred out of this world. And right. So um, I met one of his dog handlers up there and, and sold her, and, uh, you know, he took her from me. And they didn't hunt her in Autumn Oaks. And after I'd sold her, you know, I thought, man, I I messed up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of guys out there probably that's listening that sold dogs. And uh, my wife said, you know, if you can live with not having her, that's fine. And, you know, if you think you can live with not 
having her here than than sell her. It's your thing, you know, your deal. And I thought, well, I can for this kind of money, I can live with her not being here. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I tried finding me a replacement, and I couldn't find me a replacement. Nobody want you know the dogs that good dogs out there ain't for sale. Mm-hmm. So I was having a hard time finding a replacement. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I it was actually probably a good thing that he bought her from me. Um, he owned her for probably 11 or 12 months. I ended up getting her back, which was, was a miracle in itself. I never expected that to happen. But uh, you want me to go ahead and you want me yeah, tell the story yeah, about go, how that happened? Yeah, go ahead. Um, he bred her to crow and um, had the pups, and I was I was going to get pick of the litter. I just want, I, and I, I'd kept up with him on her. I'd, we stayed in contact, and I'd ask him how she was doing and this and that. And I don't think that they, he'd hunted her a lot. And I think his main thing was he was wanting to get her bred, mm-hmm. didn't want nothing to happen to her. Wanted to get her bred, have pups out of her and crow, which was going to be a good cross. And so he thought, and I did too. And it was a great move. And um, she had the pups. And one day I just sent him a text out of the blue and I said, um, Are you ready to sell me my dog back? He texted me back and he said, It's funny that you just asked me this. I'll get back with you. I've, I just had to recover her. We about had a bad accident. I said, All right, yeah, give me a call. Now, the whole time I, was, I didn't know, you know, I was thinking, What's he talking about? Yeah. How old how old was she at this time? She wasn't two. Okay. She wasn't two yet. So it would have been her. I want to say this would have been her second time coming in heat. Okay. That he he was going to breed her to crow. So so he he calls me. I said, "What's going on? What happened?" He said, "Man, she." He said, "I took her down here. He's got a sporting goods store, and he said I had her tied up down here at the store. I don't know what he was doing with her down there, but he said I had her tied up, and she broke the snap or something happened. She got loose and went down a county road to next to the county road, whatever, and then crossed a really really busy highway and got treed on a den tree on the other side of this. I can't remember if it was a four lane or two lane, real busy two lane highway, mm-hmm. but a big busy highway down there. And he said I can't believe it, I can't believe it, and I said, what well, did she have? <laughs> have a coon and he's well i didn't look for no coon i just want to get my hands on her <laughs> and uh, but anyways this is the middle of the day but anyway so i don't know if it was a coon or a squirrel or what it was to be honest yeah. with you what she was treated on but she was treated and he got his hands on her which was a miracle in itself and he said well i might be interested in selling her you know i might be interested in selling her back to you this was after she had had the she she'd had the pups so he he said well you know, he said, I might be interested in selling her back to you. And um, um, the pups were either weaned or close to it. Mm-hmm. I think he maybe he had weaned them off or something. I was going to have to pick a pup. And uh, I thought, well, I'm going to have to pick a pup from a picture. And then I'm going to have to make a trip to George or I'm going to have to get a dog hauler. And uh, he said, are you serious about wanting to buy her back? And, and I said, yeah, but I can't afford her. You know, I, I can't afford to buy her back. And you're, you know. Because he paid a lot for her. I knew he was probably going to want a lot for her. Anyways, we, we talked back and forth <laughs> again, texting and talking back and forth a bunch. And, and I thought, just for the simple fact that he's, I've got an opportunity to get her back, I thought, I'm going to try to get her back. I, I can't find a dog, you know, to buy. Right. And I didn't have anything young to hunt and train and get going on my own again. And... Um, so we come to an agreement, and um, I forfeited getting a pup, and I don't know if he kept that pup or sold that pup. And I got an opportunity to get her back. She just kind of picked back up where we left off. I just got her back, got to hunting her again, yeah. got her back in shape, and um, I finished her to a show champion. I made her a grand night in just a few hunts. The best win that I'd had with her, I hunted her and just all, you know, I just didn't save her and hold her for every big hunt there was, you know. Right. I hunted her in any hunt I could hunt her in. But in 2019, I placed second with her at the Winter Classic, which was was a good was yeah. a good deal. Yeah. I was pretty excited about that. And then I qualified her for a tournament of champions in 2021. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, but I wasn't able to make that. She was pregnant, so I wasn't able to take her out. Take her to that one. Yeah. So, but she's pretty valuable to me, and and um, but I think she's probably just as valuable to our breed as much as she is to me. To be honest with you, yeah, she's she's a definitely a good looking hound. For Thank sure. you, I appreciate uh, it. She's she's really nice looking dog. She's a grand. I think she's the only grand knight directly out of bingo out there right now. I don't think there's a living grand knight out of bingo at this time mm-hmm. but there ain't very many bingo pups out there either so yeah so uh getting her back getting her winning second at winter classic and getting her qualified for toc where where did you go next do you continue to hunt her or do you have something another prospect I, come up that you could start yeah with? i kind of she was so valuable to me that i i just got she's such a hard going female she don't come back. She's going to get treed. And, and you know where we live down here in this country. And, mm. and we have do have a few caves. And, you know, when you turn one loose, it don't matter where you turn loose at. I mean, there's always there's always a chance you're taking when you turn a dog loose. A hound. Yeah. You know, they could end up in a cave around here or, you know, get run over or whatever. And I never was like that before. But since I'd granted her and I knew that how she was bred and, and I wanted to breed her to certain dogs. And I had just these different ideas and thoughts of what I might breed her to and I just need to get something off of her to hunt, you know, Yeah. just to promote my kennel and just to have something off of her and kind of have my own stuff, try to get my own stuff off of her, you know. Yeah. What what dogs did you, did you end up with a puppy out of her? After you got her back, did you breed her at that point and, and end up with a... With, with any dogs out of her or yeah i bred her to um after i made her a grand night um i bred her to i think the dog i bred her to was uh postel's totally awesome semen okay and she had 13 pups i give away several of them and kept a few for myself and sold a few and there is um there's a dog or two down south that's out of that cross i don't know how old those pups would be but they're there's a few of them that's going to title out for sure mm. that I've been getting some reports on. I've lost track. I mean, there was 13 of them. I've lost track with a lot of them. Right, right. I haven't had any. For myself, I didn't have any of them that turned out. Okay. The crow, uh, that was the thing that I was going to say all ago when Brad getting his hands on her and breeding her, the pup out of, of that cross just this past year won Southern English Days. Okay. And then there's another dog. I think that dog's been granted and maybe have some PKC money one. I'm not sure how much or anything. So, But then there's another dog in uh, Louisiana. He's a night champion dog, won a little bit of money on in PKC. He's got a crow. So Brad getting her and, and all that was really a plus. Yeah. You know, looking back on it now, I'm glad that it happened the way it did. I mean, I'm glad I got her back. Yeah. But I probably, if you know, if I'd had her, I probably wouldn't have bred her to crow. Yeah. At that time, seemed to be a pretty good cross, though. Yeah, it, yeah, I think it's turning out that there's several of them in there that you know that didn't make much, but there's also a few of them that did, yeah. which that's like with any cross. I mean, yeah, so, most crosses don't work. So, I bred her to um, uh, not this last time, but the time before last, I bred her to uh, Hard Time Red Cloud, mm-hmm. uh, which was a grand night dog. He's been dead a while, he was out of Hard Time Rocky, and, and a female that Richard Moore had named Moore's Dolly. She had six in that litter. I kept a female out of that cross that I'm currently there. Those are about a year old right now. I'm kind of, she's lightly started. I've been taking her a little bit. I've, she's got a lot of potential. I mm-hmm. see a lot of good things I like out of her, but she's just not quite at that point yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one that's down south that started pretty early that's really a cranking good from what I've told, been told. So, um, 
I think that was a decent cross. I'm really, really looking forward to this female out of the hard time red cloud and star cross that I kept. She looks just like her mama. Mm-hmm. And um, she's got a huge mouth and she just, she's got a lot of drive and, and she's got a, she look she just looks good. She's just a looker, you know? Yeah. And um, looks like a hound, sounds like a hound. So I'm really looking forward to her making something for me. She may not, I, I don't know, you know, but, and then I bred her to, um, the most recent one was I bred her to Top Gun Seaman from Larry Wilcox and, she had three in that letter. Larry found out that I was going to make that cross, and he was actually the first guy to call me, and he said, i got to have one of these, and give me your address. So Larry drove from Michigan down here and got one. He got, there was a, two females and a male. She just had three. Larry acted like he wanted a female. You know, Larry's always has had a lot of good stud dogs over the years, yeah. and it almost appears that he's been a male dog man, you know, but he drove from Michigan down here and acted like he was going to pick a female, and he come down and picked the only male in the litter. <laughs> mm. I wasn't really surprised. I was more surprised that he was going to get a female. Right. And he said, well, I'm going to take the male. And I said, I picked the, f- I had, I picked first, you know, and I said, I said, I must've been going to get the female that you wanted. <laughs> I kind of teased him, but he said, Oh, I like, no, not really. I just really, this male growed on me. You know, I had a few guys said, he's going to pick a female. I bet he picks a male. I bet he picks that male. Why wouldn't he pick that male? You know? And that male was a big, houndy, good-looking little pup. Yeah. But I got to meet Larry, and Larry come down here. That was an honor for him to drive all the way down here. It meant a lot to me for Larry to drive from Michigan, you know. And as a younger guy, I'd always look at all of Larry's ads and the magazines and all that. And, you know, and it's like, I can't believe Larry's coming down here to my house, you know. Yeah. It was was pretty neat. It was was great. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us this week on the Coonhound Collective Podcast. We really hope you enjoy the content that we're bringing here. If so, head over to Facebook and give us a like and Instagram and give us a follow at the Coonhound Collective. Also, if you have any large hunts or benefit hunts that you would like for us to announce on here, you can send those to thecoonhoundcollective at gmail.com. If there's any products or someone that you would like to hear us interview here at the Coonhound Collective, please send those to thecoonhoundcollective at gmail.com and we'll see if we can get them done. Thanks, guys.